This episode of The Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Concept2 and the Concept2 Skierg. Concept2 is the designer and manufacturer of the Skierg, a training tool for Nordic skiing and for general fitness. Located in north central Vermont, the Concept2 family rose in summer and skis in winter. The Skierg grew out of the time-tested design of the Concept2 rowing machine. As dedicated skiers, we know this much is true. It's not always easy to get out on the snow in winter, or out on the roller skis, for that matter, in summer. The Skierg is a perfect dry land training option for skiers, or anybody really, looking to improve their fitness. The second generation Skierg allows for single stick and double pulling. Take your skiing and upper body conditioning to a new level with a Skierg. You can find more information about Skiergs and their PM5 performance monitors at concept2.com. This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to The Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. In this episode, we discuss the men's 4x10K relay at the 2021 World Championships. We'll try to tie all the threads together from four legs of racing that saw Klebo hop skate away with the win for Norway with Bolshinov coming in 12 seconds back for second. And as usual, there's much more. I did set my alarm for four, which is great for me. Got coffee, tuned in to Peacock, which is like one of, it seems like 5,000 channels that NBC has. (laughs) And when I saw it dumping... I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, yeah. And it was. It had it had all the drama anyone could ever want in a race that I, you know, I'd been kind of setting up for the listeners and for myself. And I, I mean, this was, I'm like, there's just no way Norway's going to lose this. But woo, there was some there was some sections of that race that, you know, you uh, my heart was beating a little bit. I'm like, oh, I might have made a might have made an unreasonable call here. And uh, a lot more. Really? Oh, yeah. A lot more unpredictable than I thought. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I sort of, I mean, and we'll get to all this. We'll get to all, but there is so much nitty gritty to break down and which, which is maybe why I loved it so much. There were so many little narratives that um, I feel, I felt like maybe it was slipping away from Norway clearly on leg one. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Yeah. So oh, we can get to that. Oh, for sure. And, and I mean, the, the reality is we only have, there. there is only one team in the world that could afford having three guys ski well but not four and still win and that was norway and that's exactly how it played out <laughs> right right okay so before we get to this i wanted to just throw this out there and i just sent you a note because i learned something this morning this morning kind of in a fun way i got a a heads up from uh tom horrocks really nice person who does kind of media relations and kind of sponsorships i think for the u.s ski team he's like hey jesse's doing a Instagram live thing with Patrick Dempsey and I wrote back I, I mean I could I should probably read it to you but I, I probably can't find it but it was something like okay that sounds cool who's like who's Patrick Dempsey oh come on man Grey's Dude. Anatomy it's been on TV for like 8,000 years no was not a Grey's Anatomy I just was not never really uh, watched it yeah so that said he's a real sports fan uh, I now know a little bit about Patrick Dempsey actor yeah. Yeah, evidently. Actor, uh, race car driver. I got like little, and 
And uh, also, I believe, on the board of the U.S. Ski Team or something like that. So he was doing this Instagram Live thing. And a couple of things of note. So you obviously know Patrick Dempsey, by the way, or uh, aware I, of I him. Know who he, I know who he is. Yeah, I'm aware of who Patrick Dempsey is. He is he as much a heartthrob in Norway as clearly he is in the U.S.? You know what? I Unlike you, I did. I have watched some Grey's Anatomy, especially the early stuff. But then I, I got, I don't know. I'm not just not a big TV guy in general. I love sports on TV. Yeah. That's what, right, that's, that's too. my, that's my scene. I like documentaries too, but that's not TV. That's more movies and stuff. But, uh, same cloth here. But, uh, but like, but like network TV dramas never been my thing. But I have seen, I have seen some Grey's Anatomy. Um, okay. and so I, I knew who Patrick Dempsey was, but uh, he's a real, like, he like, he loves cycling too. He's, he's a real, yeah, he's a real sports fan, so it's kind of cool that he gives his time for, for absolutely. Because kind of like talking to a talking to a Nordic skier, as as big a deal as Jesse Diggins is, and I know she when you win an Olympic gold medal and you're such a charismatic and great ambassador for sport in general as Jesse is. I mean, it, 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 I guess it shouldn't be that big a surprise, but it is still always kind of fun that like Hollywood actors are are going to sit down and use an hour of their time to talk to a Nordic skier from. From Minnesota, so that that, that was kind of sure. Neat. And so, a couple things that were kind of cool about it was just culturally for me, I was having kind of an awakening. There were, you know, you can do all these things on Instagram. I'm going to sound like a grandfather here, but you know, you like you press a little tab and you get little hearts that flow up the side of the screen, like you love something, right? Or kind of these yeah. little oh, yeah. live emojis. And it was a constant stream of little hearts and heartthrob type emojis um so that was like it was kind of funny for me but that said it was a great interview he asked great questions and i i definitely learned something obviously both about who patrick dempsey is and his interest in sport but also jesse i felt like it was great so anyway oh, i came into it like who the hell is this and walked away like wow that was cool Oh, you got something out of it. And that, that, that is impressive, especially through the medium. I, even though, I mean, like we are old, you and I, but, um, you know, you, when you see something like that, it just seems kind of gimmicky. You know what I mean? It's like, oh God, we're going to have like an Instagram live interview. Like, ugh. and then, then yeah. But when you have a great person and interested, definitely, obviously very interested, like Patrick Dempsey is. And then of course he's a professional. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not shocked that he was prepared. And then, and Diggins has just shown her chops. Like she's, she's great with the media and she's been great with the media and, pretty much since day one. So, so what a wonderful ambassador that the U S has, uh, in, in Jesse. Okay. So also humbled out there today a little bit, just cutting to the chase. It was Russia and RSF. And so let's talk about that first leg, but first, before we even get to that conditions, ugly. I mean, like if you're a wax tech talks yeah, about conditions. It. Yep. Oh yeah. Ugly conditions. Absolutely. Not just as a wax technician, as an athlete too. I mean, they have been spoiled rotten. I've raced in Oberstdorf so many times and well over, oh, I would say like 75, 80% of the time I'm in Oberstdorf is just raunch fest conditions, like kind of like it was today. Um, and they've just been spoiled. This world championships has had great weather. It's so sad. We haven't had fans because oh, Oberstdorf is a great venue with the fans and weather like that. But today the weather turned just for a day though. It looks like it's going to start getting nicer again by tomorrow even. But today it was dumping snow right around zero and just like that that just that nasty day and if you're a wax technician that's waxing for classic anytime it's around zero degrees celsius you, you start 
the question, do we go on rub skis, which are essentially they're just classic skis where they have a little different material right under the kick zone. So right under the binding, that's a little softer, that's a little easier to work with. And when I say work with, I mean sanding because you just use sandpaper to rough it up. Um, and it's like, is it going to be clister? Is it going to be rub skis? What's it going to be? And, you know, all the teams picked rub skis on that first leg, except one team or one person. And that was Paul Goldberg and, uh, from Norway. And 56 seconds later, he definitely regretted that. I thought he actually held his own amazingly well, given, given the disadvantage he had under his feet. And we saw that yesterday in the women's, the women's field. It was, it was way more stable conditions, of course. But when skis go bad in classic, they can go really bad. And I know we talked about that yesterday, but when someone like Charlotte Kala misses, like loses over a minute and a half, that's not, that is very, not typical stuff and then paul goldberg losing almost a minute in the first leg that was definitely unexpected and and that got my interest really piqued my interest because i was like oh my god it's happening like is this possible and at, at once you know i was texting with alex alex harvey and we, we we text back and forth about a whole bunch of stuff but definitely during these world championships and he's like well now on your podcast you can't say that norway's never missed the skis since 2015 since that 10k in 2015 and i was like i was watching him like you know what i don't think i can until right at the end uh they interviewed paul and and you know paul's like i had great rub skis but my clister skis while i was testing felt so good and the technicians were saying i think rub skis is what we should go on and i'm like no i'm going on clister so and he also said that after a minute after a second and a half (laughs) (laughs) so three strides into that race he's like I messed up. I made the wrong choice. And then it was a long, arduous 10K from there. That said, yeah, but that I, said, okay, though, you go, go ahead. on. Sorry. No, 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 no you're no, on no, a you good go thread here. So I don't want to interrupt. No, no, go no, for it. No, 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 no. All I was going to say is uh, Trevotkin has the race of the whole day. Well, actually, no. Emma Leverson also had a great race. But but Trevotkin on the first lap and the first leg for Russia, dropping the field by over 40 seconds. It was like 44 seconds. Just in the first leg. Gunning it from the start, going alone in conditions like that. I've only ever seen one other athlete in dumping snow conditions in the first leg of a relay um, have the guts to do what Trevotkin did. And that was uh, Luke Yeager at, in, at World Juniors in the men's World Junior Relay last year for the US. He did the same you thing. You are so bullish on that, dude. I love it. No, no, but I was just, but it was just, it's because it's crazy behavior. Like, I think oh, like fortune favors. Like, well, fortune favors the bold, but I mean, like, like in snowing conditions, it catches a lot of people off guard. And I don't think anyone, anyone was expecting Trevotkin to just drill it. And, you know, it was, it was quite the feats of strength and, and, uh, he really crushed the entire field. And a couple of other things that of, of note that I'd like your commentary on. I mean, at 8k, he had 58 seconds on the field. And yeah. they, there did seem, and there was one point when they topped, I think it was on the, the the high point of the classic course, I might be wrong, where essentially the, the entire field besides Russia, RSF, came to a standstill. And Paris, uh, no, was it, it wasn't Paris. Who was? Uh, no, Lapalouse. Lapalouse, the, the, the Frenchman kind of like pulled, pulled aside and looked behind like, hey, what's going on here? So... It was definitely not sort of what we think of as a typical organized, um, you know, peloton seeking to capture the pacemaker up front. Uh, what, what was? What do you think was going on there? That, that's hard to say. But you know, like Chris and I were talking about 
prior uh, a couple episodes ago about that first leg in the relay, that scramble leg. Usually, it, you know, it is the weaker skiers, the weaker classic skiers. There's only two, so there's still really good classic skiers doing that first leg. But uh, it's not the same heavy hitters that you get in leg two. And I think with Russia so far off the front and Paul Goldberg, you know he'd be the one drilling it if he could. But he just had he had no equipment to work with that you just didn't have like leadership in that in that chase group and no one was willing to put themselves out there because they know what happens and we've seen all day what happened in the last kilometer and a half a lot of damage can be done in both classic and skate on that kind of sprint loop there was time gaps would just be exploding in that last kilometer and a half and late in the race like that you know it's a it's a it's a precarious place to be if you take a little if you if you start your drive to the to the exchange zone just a little too long blow up a bit or have some ski issues or anything like that and soon you you can quickly lose 15 seconds and that puts you at a serious disadvantage so i think that's kind of what we were seeing but i agree it was it was a little weird i have to give a huge shout out though to graham ritchie of canada who had a a fantastic first leg he was skiing so well skiing with such confidence and he really set up the canadian men to have to have a shot uh, have a shot at, at maintaining a great relay okay so at 10k end of the first leg the tag f- for the second leg which is still classic for anybody who's hung on with this all season that's new to the sport um so you know uh, RSF Russia comes through 44 seconds ahead of Finland, France, Switzerland, Germany, Czech Republic, and Canada. Um, dangling off 10 seconds later is Sweden. In 10th place, 56 seconds off is Norway, along with the US in 11th. So um, we have another classic leg, and there's some more. This is what I loved about the race. You're thinking, okay, what you know, what could possibly happen here? And lots happens. So Russia fades. Ivo Niskanen, who's just a classic skiing star, you know, essentially takes control. That's your setup. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, exactly. That's a great setup. I mean, Yakamushkin had had the stuff of like a like the stuff of nightmares. It, it was a nightmare leg for Yakamushkin. Who would have thought that he would have fallen apart so hard? And and what a spectacular implosion by Yakamushkin. He had. 44 seconds on the field. It's an easier classic course. I know you're plowing snow, but your teammate just plowed snow for 10K, dropping the field like a sack of potatoes. And and you go out with all the advantage. You could you can start with that first lap like fairly in control. So if or when the, the, the pack catches you or even puts a bit of time on you, you can just drill it when they're tired and maintain that gap. But instead, he just you know, like nothing was working for his body. He was skiing poorly technically. He was skiing slow. And that was, you know, Russia, I'm sorry, with, with Ustigov out with injury, with, with uh, Spitsov out with injury, Russia couldn't afford any of their guys to have a bad leg. They couldn't even have actually afford any of their guys to have like just like a middle day. And in the, and in the end, Yakamushkin had a nightmare day and the whole pack caught back up. And you're right. Like, like, it was Ivo Niskanen was really drilling the pace, but it, Emil Everson's leg, I thought was the stuff of legends. I mean, you know, Kristen and I have been talking at home here about the 50k coming up, and the course is really stout. It's hard. It's the last race. It's and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if Emil Everson is is going to be good enough in that 50k classic because of just the course profile is so brutal. But after what I saw in his 10k today on leg two for Norway, you know what? Like. You, you got to slot him in not just as a metal threat, but he's he's a threat to win the oh, race. Interesting. He, he's showing 
Oh yeah, he's showing amazing form. And you saw late in that race with a couple K to go or about a K and a half to go when he, well, I guess it's probably about a, between two kilometers and a K and a half to go. He really drills it on the flats, punches it up the, the, the hill side by side with Ivo Niskanen. And they put a gap on the group they were skiing with. Impressive by Oscar, Oscar Svensson to get back in there. Dario Colonia was skiing super well too. Canada faded a little bit, but also until... 8K of that 10K, uh, Antoine Sears, he was skiing super well, limiting his losses. He was within 20 seconds of that lead group. And then when Niskanen and Emily Everson just put the pedal to the metal, of course, uh, Tony, he lost some time and he ended up going into the, the tag at 20K, 48 seconds down. But that's still a pretty solid lap when you're stuck in no yeah, man's land like that for a lot of it. Yeah. So, so I thought it was, it showed some poise and he, he definitely skied well. And after the classic legs, both the, for Canada, they were right in there. U.S. struggled a little more than than Canada in the early legs, but we'll, we'll come back around that because that's always been a classic battle, U.S. versus Canada and all these 4x10K relays. But but no, Emma Leverson and, and uh, Ivo Niskanen, you're absolutely right. They did everything right. They were in great shape. They were skiing beautifully. And it's going to be an awesome 50K to finish this championship. But man, I, like if, if you're a betting man, I would definitely not bet against Emma Leverson after seeing the performance he did today. He obviously made the right pick with his skis. So Alex, I'm sorry to say, buddy, Norway didn't blow the skis. Paul made a bad decision <laughs> because their skis were good the whole day. It just, you can't pick Clister when it's dumping snow. Although, you know, Alex and I, Alex alluded to this a little bit when we were chatting all together and, and, um, in the 2009 world championships, him and I picked Clister. And that was back in the days when you had to get your skis marked. And it was in, it was in Libretch and it was between snowing. The forecast said it was going to start just nuking snow. And we're like, nah, Clister's just better. We got through this, the ski marking tent. It starts nuking snow, like on command. And our, our wax technician, make a book, uh, who is now a wax technician for Norway, uh, looked at Alex and I with Clister skis in our hands that were marked and said, I'm sorry, boys, you're screwed. And we were, we lost so much time. We were icing like crazy. And, and that was the pursuit. I mean, we both got back into the top 30, but we had aspirations to be in the top 10 and, and that evaporated right there. And we were in good shape, those championships. So uh, picking Clister when it's dumping snow, never a good decision, never a good decision. Uh, but but uh, Emma Leverson remedied that, that, that mistake that Norway made on that first leg. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, 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 and you know, at some point I thought, okay, maybe it's the snow is going to let up and it just kept on nuking and sort of animated it. You know, it's like one of those instances where the weather itself becomes an absolute character, you know, in, in the story or that's playing out in front of you. Um, no question. That was cool. Okay. So at, at the handoff, so I, I got to keep it straight here. 20 K in halfway through, we're done with, we're done with classic. It's, uh, as you mentioned, Emily Everson puts Norway, you know, tagging off for first. It's Norway, Finland, Switzerland, France, uh, Sweden. And Sweden is 21 seconds back. And at that point, Norway and Finland have like a 12-second gap on the field. Um, and just a note there to Canada. Yeah, I have to say like such great racing, especially like the camera work. They, they would pan over to Canada on occasionally. And like you said, just no man's land alone which is which is tough tough pacing tough mentally as well um absolutely yeah. and tony did a great yeah. race okay so 30 uh yeah they yeah. hand off and the the you know holland takes over for for norway who obviously uh is fit so take it from there 
Yeah, I mean, Holland, Holland, this was like a dream come true. Holland has never done a relay, which has been like a serious scandal, honestly, that, that that someone that's been so good in the last three championships hasn't got a start for the relay. But a little tangent there. Think about this. This is the level that Norway's at. You have Seaman Kruger, who has two silver medals at these championships. He's raced twice. He's been second both days, and they did not find room for him in that relay. Which that ruffled some feathers here in Norway, absolutely. And quite frankly, I was shaking my head too. I'm like, really, guys? Like, you, you, you really want to go with like Paul and Everson? And then, of course, Holland is, of course, going to do the third leg. After you win the world championship in the 15K skate, you're doing the third leg. <laughs> That's for sure. And, um, but like not making space for Kruger, I was, I was really surprised. And my heart really goes out to him because, like, what more can you do at a championship than come second in both? races well who do you, do you, know what who I mean? you replace that's the issue that's I, the I mean, problem I, yeah i know that's that that's the thing and the reality is you know paul paul since the 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 norwegian tour sorry the scandinavian tour last year in the spring where he won he hasn't he has not had a bad classic race in distance he's just been on fire um you know in the in the 15k classic he was on the podium he was third in that in, in falun which was the last uh, individual classic race before the before the World Championships, and in all the Norwegian races since because of the COVID restrictions, he was also beasting in all the classic races. But you know, geez, it's hard to penalize Kruger. I mean, in, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because they're all good enough, and Norway is the best team in the world right now for men. It's not even close. But you know, before the race started, I, I would have thought that it should have been you know Everson scramble leg Holland second leg he's a good classic skier as well and then put kruger in the third leg and then and then end with claybo that said it is what it is uh but, but i just wanted to point out that i felt a little bad for kruger I, it's he's this he's just it's unlucky that you're on the best team in the world by far and two silver medals individually out of two starts isn't good enough to get on the four by 10k relay team that that's that's a that's pretty brutal but also brutal holland's pace man holland skied phenomenally when it gets hard and this is the hardest course you saw that too dude. Yeah, like the skate dude, course is brutal. just such a beast it is a br that 3.3 is totally brutal going all the way up to the top of the course three times in only 10k is crazy hard at the best of times and then you had the world's worst conditions it was like so soft and slow like just you could tell on all the flat sections going down the corners like there was no speed out there to be found and yet holland easily skied away from uh Hirvinen, who has had a pretty solid day i thought honestly but um considering where he would, the position that he was put in and holland just made quick work of the whole field and and came in to exchange to to Klebo totally alone but before we get there maltsev maltsev from russia he he really started like a bat out of hell too and and he made and he made up a lot of time early and honestly i thought he looked pretty good he didn't look that good technically climbing um, but again, like Russia traditionally has like a really long, powerful technique in skating. It's a really Russian style, which is a lot different than the Scandinavian style that you see out there. Jens Berman had a great leg too. And you see it's, uh, you're changing your tempo quite a bit with the terrain and the conditions. Norway also skis like that. Um, but, but, uh, you know, Maltsev was just kind of diesel grinding out there and I'm like, oof, this, this looks a bit sketchy, but he was going really, really well until he wasn't. And then he didn't have a bad leg he was put in a really bad position by yakamushkin his teammate and he knew bolshinov was the anchor leg so he just had to 
bring it, get it as close as possible. And it looked really, really, really dangerous for a while there. But that early effort that Maltsev had, that, that was the end. I mean, that, that's what destroyed that it destroyed Maltsev. And then in it, it put Bolshinov in an almost impossible situation that we'll get to here yeah. in a second. Yeah. I mean, to put things in perspective here, I'm, I just, I'm looking at sort of, I'm going back and forth listening to you and clicking onto live timing splits. Um, which which always helps sort of animates like putting things in perspective. So at the handoff for Maltsev at 20K, he's 23 seconds down on Norway. Is that right? Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. 23 yeah, that's seconds right. down on Norway, right? By 30K or or by 36, gosh, I want to, no. I'm a, see, this is where I'm getting all screwy here. 20, he, he's key. 26k yeah it's 26k that's why i'm he's got 90 he's 19 seconds down and then forget about my point i'm gonna yeah no no you point just, just no no but to make your point like maltsev was closing yeah. in on everybody i mean he closed in on the group after after yakamushkin's horrendous day and was skiing well but it just cost him that that big effort early to get back up to Sweden, to get back up to those guys that he was skiing in. And he tried to pull through fairly early and he tried to pull through early and it just, you know, he, he never had the rest. The conditions are so horrendous with deep, soft snow. They're, the athletes are having to lift their feet so much more than you normally would in, in even pseudo soft conditions uh and it just saps your legs it destroys your legs and then when you compound that with a course that's that's like absolutely brutal no matter no matter in a historical context incredibly brutal um it was just too much for for maltsev and and it left him too tired and then by the end by the exchange you know like he he comes through the exchange and he's 35 seconds down he puts Bolshinov 35 seconds down to, to Klebo. And you know what? Like, even at the exchange, I'm like, this is a, this is going to be a tall order for Bolshinov to close down on Klebo and then dust him on that big hill. Because if you go back, if you, if you come into the, the finishing, that if you come into the sprint loop with Klebo, you're going to get torched. <laughs> uh, especially if you have 35 seconds in your legs that you had to like make up on, on him. So that was, uh, no, it was, a, it was pretty, he did everything right. Maltsev did everything right in a, in, in a sense, but he just wasn't strong enough to, to, to finish the job. Sorry to say. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's okay. And I pulled up the wrong split, but it's at, tw he, literally, he almost gains back all that time in about 4K. So he spends himself and then, you know, like you say, he's, he's only able to recover and bleeds more time. Um, yeah, so let's hop to that lovely, you know, last leg and what was playing out. I mean, like you just mentioned, you know, Bolshinov is the anchor for Russia at 35 seconds down. Sandwiched in between there, close to Bolshinov is Finland 34, 34 seconds back, Sweden 25 seconds back, and France in second at 25 seconds back. Uh, Norway is obviously off the front and they have Klebo, you know, in theory running away with this, which is not what happened. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know, what we were seeing from Claybo, it was, you know, pure tactics. Um, and I would imagine he's, you know, conserving energy for that, you know, final kilometer push where, where he's going to, you know, most likely dial it in for a sprint finish. Um, 
Yeah, what was going on with there and sort of give people the idea of like how fast is he going? Did he just purely let up and get caught? Yeah, like that is, of course he did. I mean, he, he, he knows the course. He knows how hard the course is. He knows how hard the conditions are. And he knows what his strength is in, in, a, in a, a skate race, a distance skate race, which is Claybo's weakest, by far weakest race of all of them. If you look at like the, the skiathlon, sprint classicer skate, distance classic races, mass start cla- skate races, mat- like just essentially he went out for an individual start skate race is what he was left with, with, with Holland having such a great leg. And the reality is the conditions do not suit Claybo whatsoever. They didn't suit anybody except for Lapierre in that last stage, <laughs> which we'll get to, uh, who is, a, who is a light, who is a light Frenchman with, with just He's he's got the perfect build and the perfect technique and the perfect strength for a day like today, which is all uphill and deep soft snow. Uh, so Claybo really went out as as expected. I mean, you he, he have to. He, he knew his chance was go out controlled. It's three laps of a three point three on an absolutely brutal course in horrendously soft conditions, which does not play to his strengths whatsoever. And he, he goes out really chill and it looks super chill. It almost looks like he's going level one out there and he's not. He's But he's probably going not much faster than level three because he's really, he's putting all his eggs in the basket. He's like, most likely Bolshinov is going to catch me, catch me and I need to be ready that when he catches me, if Bolshinov wants to just pull right through when he gets to me instead of sitting on me a little bit i need to have the energy to be able to withstand that one two three minute drive that that could have came if if bolshinov decided to play that and if you're pressing a little bit for nothing um you know when the big russian bear comes behind you like you're just going to get mauled and and it's going to be over so it was a it was a tactical mastery by Claybo, and that's exactly what everyone was expecting and and i thought he did a great job and it puts the onus on bolshinov um when he caught back up and that was that was a given for people that haven't been following so much i mean bolshinov 35 seconds it's it it sounds like a lot and it is a lot but the fact of the matter is on a course like that with the motivation that bolshinov has and being able to see claybo and then having it be claybo's worst discipline um the writing was on the wall everyone knew that that claybo was essentially going to wait to get caught and then put everything in his power to his tactic was get caught by Bolshinov, save as much energy as possible. And like you said, when they descended into the sprint course to just light him up. And that's exactly how it played. That's exactly how it played out. But before we get to that, I mean, Bolshinov was making a few tactical, interesting tactical decisions out there. I feel like he, so he, he caught him on the early in the, in the second lap. And, you know, if I was Bolshinov's coach in that position, I, I would have told them before that race, when you catch Claybo, you, you just sit on him. Do not do anything. Because who cares? So Sweden comes back to you. So Finland comes back to you. So France comes back to you. It doesn't matter. Bolshinov is so much stronger than all those guys. He's so much stronger than Lapierre or uh, Porama, Johnny Mackey. Like, forget it. And, and, you know, use the energy early to catch him, which he did. But then I would have really tried to tell Bolshinov, you just sit and wait to the last lap. And he didn't. He sat behind Claybo very briefly before pulling ahead and then doing a couple weird surge moves that made no sense. And then attacking on light terrain. I don't know if you noticed that. Like after they were done with the climbing section on that second lap, he starts actually kind of drilling it over the the lighter terrain when you start winding your way back to, to descend all the way back into the stadium. And like 
where's the terrain that Claybo is the best in the world by far? It's, it's curvy light terrain. <laughs> so, so he was burning some matches that I thought were, was unnecessary, honestly. And, and yet he's bullshitting off. So really, if there's anybody where that, those kind of small tactical mistakes shouldn't cost, shouldn't cost you too much. It, he's the only one in the world where that wouldn't cost him as much as others. But I still was waiting. We were texting back and forth and I was texting with Alex too. And we were all, we were all on the same page. It's like, Bolshinov's going to get to the bottom of that hill in the valley and just pin it from the bottom and do like a four or five minute just epic drive. And I'm not sure Claybo can stay with him. But that's not what happened. Bolshinov wasn't good enough to pin it from the bottom. And I, I wonder if it's because of all that time he had to make up early. 35 seconds is a lot of time to make up or like in, in 3, 4K. And then and then instead of just giving himself three 3.3K to just really chill like go zone two you know what i mean like i said let everyone catch you it doesn't matter and put everything into a four minute interval because that's what it would be for him um he he just he burned too many matches and then got to that hill and he just wasn't he wasn't rested enough to do anything uh he waited he waited he waited he waited he tried a little bit through the split there but not a whole lot and then then you then after that when you got to the top of the course and he tried again to, to uh, in that light terrain with the the curves like before you really scream down into the stadium but i mean you it's too little too late i mean by that point you knew claybo wins this like 100 times out of 100 you just played into his hand completely and you never really pressed him he pressed him a little bit on lap two here and there with these really short surgy bursts but i mean to do that against the best sprinter in the world uh, you know he's probably the one guy in that field that can withstand those bursts like all day long because that's what he's built for that like lactate tolerance is something that that Claybo has shown to be the best in the world so it didn't work and they came around sweeping into that sprint hill that we've seen so many times and then it was a clinic it was it was just a clinic i mean i mean Claybo just blew the doors off bolshinov and the rest is history yeah so yeah and and by 12 seconds too you know it's like yeah, just undressed yeah. him, completely undressed yep. him. Pretty, pretty amazing. What one kind of nitty gritty question here, and thinking about that that effort that Bolshinov has to um, give to close down that thirty five second gap to to sync up with Claybo is, you know, I'm looking here, you know, he he roughly covers that time gap in say four k, maybe it's four plus k, um, you know. Bolshinov closes it. That's a big effort. That's a yeah. big effort. I, I feel like it's a big effort, even if, you know, Claybo is kind of wheeling him in by slowing down a little bit. But at that point, Sweden, Switzerland, Finland, France, they're like 25, six seconds plus back. Um, I, I just, just curious, by 36 and a half K, they're over in a minute back as a group, One, 108 back. So is that a function of that group? Um, sort of slowing down now and racing for third or yes 100 percent. that 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 is exactly what happened is they also know those guys all like we have poromo you know how much i love poromo the guy's a beast Uh, and he's gonna he's the future swedish skiing which is awesome um but he's young he's a first year senior you have lapierre that hasn't been in that position um you know johnny mackey's a sprinter and and switzerland like no like all those guys like (laughs) they know who's up ahead and they they know the race is over and so they start playing it tactically for third which plays right into lapierre's hand actually 
because that gives Lapierre a chance to just rest up a little bit and do the move that Bolshinov should have tried to do (laughs) on Claybo. That's what Lapierre did on that race for bronze and just pinned it up the last hill against guys that he knows is a, he Lapierre knows he's a way stronger climber in that, in that, um, in that terrain and secures bronze for France, which is awesome to see. Like France in the relays has been so fun to see. They've, they've been really, really strong. Um, so many cycles in a row here and the way he did it, the way Lapierre did it, it was a tactical, it was a, a master of tactics uh, to play into his own strengths to secure that bronze medal. And uh, it was, it, that was really fun to see France pull through for the, for the bronze, but, but coming back to p- the bullshit off, cause there has been a lot of talk here and you sent me, this is where I want to go. I just pulled it yeah. right up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and like, there's a lot of people are taking screen grabs and, but it's been all over the news here too in, in Norway. It's like, was Bolshinov trying to play dirty up that last hill and intentionally trying to break Klebo's pole? Because it looks pretty dirty for a couple strides there, um, especially if you're looking at it in slow motion or, or, or taking some screen grabs of that. But when you watch, I went back and I've watched it quite a few times. And do you notice what Klebo does? It's also a tactical mastery. <laughs> he He's ahead, which is the place where he wants to be. And then before he makes his his kill shot, he essentially he doesn't stop, but he slows no, but he right slows down. He slows way down. Yeah, he yeah. slows right down to take all the momentum out of Bolshinov's legs, and then Bolshinov's right up, right up onto Klebo. And it's soft conditions. Remember, I've been saying that earlier. Like these guys are having to lift their legs. These guys are having to lift their feet a lot more than if it was hard pack conditions. And when Claybo plays that move, which is take all the momentum away from the guy behind you and then just pin it, you see okay. Bolshinov trying to respond and he's like, he's just trying to get his speed back up. And in doing that in soft snow, you have to lift your feet quite high. And remember, because of that tactical move that Claybo did by slowing down almost completely, um, Bolshinov was just so close to Klebo, way closer than you'd notice in, in other races. And and uh, it looked really it looked really bad, I agree. It looks really bad in, in slow motion. But I think in reality, I think it was Klebo that, that uh, you know, tapped the brakes a bit before launching that lethal attack. And it looked worse than it was, I think. Hmm. Hmm. Because... I- you got to see it in full speed. You got to well, see it in full I, speed. Because I- like, when you're seeing it in slow motion in the screen grabs, it looks really nefarious. Well, I'm playing the video. No, but- I'm playing the video. And then it switches to it does switch to to slow mo, and I'm going to try and embed this in the in the story too. And I appreciate Zach Caldwell for sending this over this. Morning. Oh yeah, no, no, and it's uh, been awesome. It, like I said, it's been on Vega, it's been on NRK, yeah, it's dude, on the it's sports like the- news. It's a big. It, it was a story. It's like is is Bolshinov trying to play dirty by not just taking out Claybo in a sprint? Is he trying to break his equipment? And it's like, you know what? I, I think I don't know. I don't think he. I don't think he was. Like to counterpoint a little bit, you're obviously the better you know, technician here. But when I watch these two athletes, okay, it's, and, and again, yeah, there, there's snow or deep, or, or deep snow, deep-ish snow, right? It's no, not it's like deep, there's- dude. No, it, no, it's, it, you, that, the TV plays tricks. That, that is horrendous conditions. Like it was brutal skate conditions. Oh, it is horrendous for yeah. a World Cup race, for sure. But what I mean is it's not like eight inches of wet snow on top no, of the no, course. No, 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 and no so, exactly. That's again, true. like, I want you to call me out here, but as these guys are skating, skating up is um you know they have to clear the tip right you want to clear that ski tip is that 
I, I'm just saying, like that's something you really have to think about in deeper, deeper snow, right? Yeah, of course. You got to lift your feet up way higher than you normally would in hard pack conditions. Okay. Well, in theory. So, but when I'm watching here in slow mo again, like Clavo is really, you know, if he is really measurably lifting his feet up higher than he normally would, it's by very small degrees. Whereas uh, a couple of things going on with Bolshinov, like his tip, I mean, is way up in the air and, and he's back on his skis a little bit. Like he's almost trying to pull the tip up further. I'm just saying like, Oh yeah, he, I know. You know well, and, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, and it, it, but, but he also had, you also have to remember like in, in real time, Claybo slows down to almost a stop and then, pins it yeah yeah so, right. so he's okay. trying to so so i just think I bolshinov's you. trying to like rev that engine again in in bad conditions and also i'm sorry to say bolshinov's not even close to as good as claybo on a one and he hill. almost takes a tumble almost it yeah looks like. exactly so so but but that said that said in slow motion it looks really bad but i i i would really question the fact that bolshinov was trying to break claybo's like he's also wrecked at that point and he knows what's happening like I'm just not sure anybody's has the wherewithal that late in the race to be like, okay, now I've got to just try and break the other dude's equipment because like I'm not gonna win here. Like that just seems like it just that that's a bridge too far I, for me. I, I I didn't see that. Okay, so here's no. The th- what's really interesting, like this was not. I'm you know I'm watching this in real time, and obviously I'm more fixated when I'm observing the race, I'm like, holy smokes, like Claybo's such a, they'll be watching video of that in 20 oh, yeah. years to For sure. how do you hop skate and close out a race? I mean, it was totally. amazing. Totally, textbook. It was beautiful. So yeah. I'm fixated on that. And then what, what's fascinating is that there is this like peripheral discussion going on um, that I'm catching wind of because, you know, people are observing Swedish TV here in the States, you know, through, they're just observing. Yeah. It's like, wow, they're really breaking down all of this stuff, which is really fascinating. But that said, like, is the cultural bad blood so bad, right? And obviously, Bolshinov is coming off of, you know, what I consider to be an egregious uh, aggression in in, uh, knocking over, I'm going to say Yoni Mackey. We got an email. It's Yoni Mackey, I think, not John, just saying. Yeah, John. Yeah, exactly. so, you know, he, he got dinged for that. Uh, he's on a five race probation where he has to be under sort of like good behavior. Um, but is that's the nature of it in Scandinavia and, you know, Sweden and Norway, where they're going to break down and look at every little quote, like micro situation for potential, like this Russian guy's no good. Uh, you know, what's funny about that too. I, I it's a little bit like the Frida Carlson crash with Teresa in the pursuit. Like all, all's well that ends well, right? Like whose fault was it when to take out Teresa? Like, yeah, maybe it was Frida's fault. Maybe it was some Teresa was skiing close to, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because they went one, two. You know what I mean? Like who really cares? And then same with this. I feel like had he broken Claybo's pole, oh my God. Yeah. There'd been bad blood because you have those, you have those images in slow mo with the peanut gallery weighing in on it and it would have been really not good but the fact of the matter is whether or not he did it intentionally claybo's pole was intact 
Um, Bolshinov got the doors blown off him, and Norway gets to celebrate yet another relay gold, even with a disaster, uh, a disaster decision by Paul to pick Klister instead of Rubskis. Um, so, and it made the race exciting. So, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, had 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 a poll broken there with the images that we're seeing, it's a, it, now now we're having a different now we're having a different discussion. But but I really want to give Bolshinov in that scenario. I, I just you, everyone's so tired. It it just. Man, it's a pretty. It would be pretty malicious to like kind of give up on this rent entirely before it even begins, and then be like, okay, now I just got to try and take out the dude's equipment. Like, I, I don't know. It, it uh, yeah, I, I don't think that. I want to believe that is not what's going through Bolshinov's head in that that scenario. But, but I do see that Bolshinov realizes he's caught right out, and and when. Claybo changes the speed, takes the speed down to almost nothing. Bolshinov gets way too close to Claybo, but everybody would. And Claybo knew that would happen to try and take the momentum out of his legs before punching it. Okay. Closure on the uh the four by ten relay. We could talk about more and digress and go into the US, but I don't let's not No no, we're going we? to. We have to. Yeah, we have to. You wanna know why? Because Canada, US in the distance relay has been Sorry, like my the, bad. this this battle yeah. this battle for the basement has been like a real thing for my whole career. <laughs> Especially if you're having like a rough day out there. Like, you know, you there there's just that North American pride. And so I wanna dig into it a little bit because Again, Richie and Sear have great legs in Classic for Canada, and it looks like it's kind of over. Like, really, I, I, it looks like they don't have a whole lot of time on the U.S. after two legs of Classic, but they have, like, you know, it's not so bad. It, you know, almost 20 seconds, and I'm like, this looks pretty good. And then, and then Russie, and then Russie has, like, you know, not the best day of his whole life, but not a crisis day either. Again, he was kind of caught in no man's land, like we said, with... um with Tony and of course the group that was skiing around him is going to catch Russell. I mean, that's just how it's going to be just because he was dangled out there like a carrot for that. Right, next exactly. Group. And to his credit, like uh, yeah, so, so, he has no one to pace off. Yeah. Of. No, he has no one to pace off of. It's deep. It's tough. He, he's going to get caught and he skied great. He got caught and then he just stayed in that group, which is great. Like for the, for this U S Canada battle that we're talking about right now. Uh, and he comes back and he comes into the exchange right where he needs to be. You know, he's he's skiing right with Simi and they exchange together. So now we're heating up for just another classic battle for the basement, Canada versus US in, in a distance relay. And then Gus Schumacher absolutely <laughs> undresses Remy Drolet and Remy has just a raunch fest of a day, losing almost 240 in, in only 10K, whereas Gus has the fourth fastest time on his leg and just <laughs> closes us out, closes out Canada in, like in a huge way to not just win the Canada US battle, but win it by like almost a minute 40. So, ah, oh, you know, I'm it was sorry. looking so good. It was looking so good, but Remy, you know, Remy's on fumes and, and I love Remy. He's a, he's a great guy, smartest, probably one of the smartest athletes in the entire World Cup. And, you know, it's been a tough season for everybody, but Remy, you know, after having such a great, uh, last year, junior last year, where he finished fourth at the World Juniors. Um, the reality is, it just hasn't worked. Whatever, whatever has happened in his preparations this year, n- nothing's worked. I mean, so far he hasn't had a good race yet this year, and 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 it was a tough day in the 15k skate. So I was a little worried for this relay because I'm like, oof, Remy looks like he's starting to run out of steam, and he's a first year senior. You got to cut these guys slack. It's been tough, and. And it just, I mean, we're, we're bullish on Gus Schumacher. So I don't really feel like I just did qualify what I'm about to say, 
but I think that's pretty yeah. clear. We're bullish on that guy. But that said, oh, Gus is the real deal. So is Remy, though. But you know, Gus has the advantage of having raced a full World Cup season. Not, and I say that as like he knows the routine at this point. Remy, essentially, his only racing was at U23s. No, 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 wrong. That's where you're wrong. He came over oh, really? with Canada. He's been racing every World Cup uh, since Canada came over after every period. World yep. Cup. But that's like period. Three. Uh, after three. the tour. Yeah, right. after the tour. Okay. No, no, for sure. But he was also at under 23s. Remy's had a lot of chances. And for a senior athlete, for a senior athlete, I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry to say it's just a different game as a senior athlete, but you're right. Like Remy has a lot to learn and came over here, but he's had a lot of chances and he just hasn't been able to have a good race yet. But he's, but you know, it's in there because Remy's a real talent. Yeah, yeah. Remy's a super talent and got a great head on his shoulders and he's incredibly driven and he will make that he will make that gain but the fact of the matter is when you stack him up against Gus who is also born in 2000 or or Ben you know who's also born in 2000 or that's Ben Ogden or of course yeah Ben Ogden for those that don't know or Moch Frederick Moch of Germany he's born in 2000 i mean he's been top 10 in the world cup or Poroma my boy Poroma who's been top 10 in two of the th- the, the two distance races so far at the at the world senior championships he's born in 2000 so the fact of the matter is remy is or was has been tracking right with those guys i mean when you're fourth at the world juniors you're tracking with those with those guys and i know what you're saying all those guys i mentioned have had quote unquote the full season on the world cup except for porama because he's swedish and they skipped a lot of races yeah but, but he's but the fact racing in sweet you know yeah, yeah exactly no no the level's high but I, I'm, I'm remy will remy will figure it out because he is that good but i feel a little bad for him now whereas the fact of the matter is today like after a tough 15k where things just didn't go well and then and then today where like the wheels <laughs> fell off completely and you just kind of have to laugh when it like not 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 making fun of him just like oh shit like i've been there so many times we're just you're you're on fumes, and it's like it all goes wrong. Yeah, and we don't need to do this today, but it, it, it is an interesting dynamic because we have several top Canadian athletes that are now coming to the U.S. for school, and Remy obviously is them, at yeah. Harvard studying physics. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I know that debate went on for years in the U.S. Should should kids you know enroll in a four year program? Should they not? Blah blah. Let's not go down that rabbit hole right now. Yeah, well, I'd love but to I'm do that sure. at some point because I think they should. If you're not if you're not the best in the world, like Gus is the best in the world for his age. For his age. Gus won world juniors. So that's you know, he leaves his junior career with three gold medals like Alex was saying at, in World Juniors. And then he comes on to the World Cup and he has two top tens individually. So you know Gus can do whatever the hell he wants because he's he's legit. Like he's he's more than legit. But aside from that, like I know the times have changed. I know that, but like remember that like Kristen was meddling at the World Senior Championships while going to school as well. I know it's different when you're doing that in in Europe compared to compared to North America because you you can you're going back and forth from the races, whereas in North America you're not. But um, the fact of the matter is, you should be able to combine school and development level racing and remy is on a development curve he's a first year senior he's got a lot of his career left good on him for going to harvard i think it's an amazing thing that he's doing uh and harvard taking physics at harvard you know he, he he's really passionate about the field he's really passionate about the subject it's not just like oh, i'll just take a physics degree at harvard like this is this is like his olympic gold dream in in academics and there's no reason why you can't track good development while studying at a high level as well there, there, there isn't any reason why you can't do that. 
But that said, you have to look at it a little longer term for sure. And um, I can't really blame the school, or you no know, one can really blame the school right now because I mean he's been he's been in uh, he's been home because of COVID. No one's allowed into Cambridge. That place is locked right down. But um, so the, we're in a different situation. But but the fact of the matter is, of course he's gonna he's, of course he's gonna pick up his socks and 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 figure this out if he wants to because he is one of the sickest talents Canada's ever had as coming from junior to senior. It just he didn't have that. He didn't have that. Um, he hasn't had that season yet. He has a couple of races left. You know what I mean? Uh, the 50k on the weekend being a good example. So, I mean, he, he, he can still have great races. It's well within him. We're cheering for you, Remy, and, uh, don't get too down, buddy. You know what? It's, it's all part of the process. Okay. In closing. Okay. And I had, I, I sort of had a sense. I think we all had a sense that this was going to be Sadie Bjornsson's last year. And she had sent an email to, uh, I got an email from her a few days ago that I don't know how I missed it, but I missed it. And um, th- tomorrow is her last race. Yeah, I know. And I, you know what? Like I knew that too, because I've been hearing some rumblings in our last podcast where I'm like, you know what? Maybe, she, but I just wish she'd keep on for, 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 yeah, right. selfishly for the U S to get a medal in the four by te- five relay for the women, because Sadie is such a huge talent such a hard worker, such a great teammate. Uh, you know, if people want to go back and listen to our chat that we had with Keegan, uh, she's got a great anecdote about how it all went down with the team sprint at the, at the Olympic games and a great leader for that team. And, and not all leaders are have pom poms in their hands and, and jumping up and down, like really leading the pep rally, like like Jesse is, you know, it's, it's important to have some silent leader, not silent because Sadie's by no means shy, but, but, um, it's, it's, it takes all types. And Sophie Caldwell's in that boat too. You know what I mean? Like Sophie Caldwell has brought so much to the U S team as has Sadie. And what a great career it's been for Sadie. When you're, when you've worn the yellow bib, you know, when you've worn the world cup leaders bib, as Sadie has done in her career, you have, championship medals uh and and also world cup podiums this is a beautiful career and if you go back through and remember the first the first olympic games was was back in 1924 and winter olympic games so there's a really rich long history in cross-country skiing and sadie's right up there as one of the best ever american cross-country skiers of all time and that 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 will be sorely missed and not just because of the results like of course it it'll be missed in the relay next year at the olympics that's it that's for sure um but more than that sadie's just such a wonderful person and has been such a leader for this team uh and a great addition to the and a, and a big reason why the team dynamic has worked and grown over the last decade and it'll be, um, yeah, it's going to be big shoes to fill for the next generation. So it's, um, you know, I wish you all the best, Sadie. You're awesome. So great traveling with you. And I know you'll do great in whatever you do. I'm a little jealous because you live in Alaska. So now next year you're going to be like smashing some awesome backcountry skiing with uh, with your husband. And then when you're not in Alaska, you're going to be in like Maribel and like <laughs> skiing in the French skiing in the French Alps. So like, you know what, this is this is uh, um, I'm not too worried. You're not going to have a great time uh, in, in your next life. But thanks so much for so many great memories and some great conversations in, in my career. I'll, 
yeah, even though I'm not American, uh, you know, like we said before, like it really feels like the Americans were our teammates too. So, um, yeah, no, I wish you all the best. Saves. And also like good on the, the Bjornsson parenting, Mr. And Mrs. Bjornsson up in the, the Metau Valley. I mean, she's very kind. She's very just, she's incredibly kind. Yep. I just have a ton of respect for her. Cause it's, I know when I communicate with her, I'm like, I'm talking to, she's very human. I really appreciate that about her. Oh, she's a great, she's, she's a great, great person. And I'm not just singing yeah, her praises there. I totally agree. Like I'm not, I'm not the person that's ADS. Yeah, There's no question. Likewise. So like, I, uh, I also really, I also, I also really appreciate that. And, um, I know she'll do great in, in whatever her next adventure is. And, and there'll be so many awesome adventures with, uh, with, uh, her proximity to all these great mountains. So pretty jealous. <laughs> I'm sure I mispronounce it. It's Methow, I think for the people who live up there, I could never get that right. But anyhow, so in closing 30 K classic on gosh, tomorrow, Mike, th- th- it has been a whirlwind, but, but tomorrow top five, Oh, go for it. Uh, well, well, give me, give me like second, third, fourth, and fifth. We know first. Yeah, Teresa's going to win. I mean, on that course, Teresa's going to win unless they bomb the skis that could happen, but I doubt it. Uh, like I said, like I said, Alex, Norway has yet to bomb the skis since that 10 K skate in 2015. And that was only saved because Paul owned up to it himself on the NRK interview. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> um, uh, no, I mean, I mean, it, it's hard not to look past the, the Swedes. It's hard not to look past Frida Carlson. Again, she was classicking so well in, in the pursuit, um, even with the fall. And Ebba Anderson's shown that she's in great shape. I'm excited to see Stadlober, honestly. It's a great course for Stadlober out of Austria. Uh, she's a good classic skier, especially like... M- I would, I'll, I'll rephrase that. She's a, she's great in the steeper terrain in classic. So I think it suits her strengths really well. And so I, so I, you know, I'd expect to see her up there also too. Like there's some sleeper picks. Um, I, I don't think she'll be in there for a medal, but there's a young Russian Kirishenko who is, uh, really has been really strong this season, like kind of sleeping sleeper picking like that kind of like fourth, fifth, sixth, some great results from her. She's born in 96. So I think she could be in for a great race if they put her in. That's the other thing. Like Elena Velbe didn't start her in the 10 K skate. Don't ask me why putting a girl that had like, I don't even know if she'd been top 30 this year. So like, you never know what the Russians are doing with their starts. So the, the start list, I haven't seen the start list as now, but, but uh, she's definitely a sleeper pick Sadie, you know, it's her last race. She's a great classic skier, beautiful classic skier. And it'll be fun to see her in action. And, you know, like, Nobody pushes like Diggins, so there's um, there's plenty there's plenty of heavy hitters, but really like for the podium, it's it's hard for me not to go with uh, Terezio Hug winning easily, and then having uh, the two the two strongest Swedes, uh, Frida Cross and Neb Anderson, rounding it out ag- yet again. Okay, Kurbachenko, right? Is yeah, the name you mentioned. Yes. Yeah, she's 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 in it. Nice. Just, well, she's a sleeper pick. The- there's a sleeper pick for top six. Um, and I'm just looking for yeah. How about Catherine Stewart-Jones? I'm yes. bullish. Yes, Catherine Stewart-Jones. I just don't want to put so much. I don't want to put too much pressure on her because she's had such a great season this year already and having per- so many personal bests. But for sure, we saw how great she was in the relay. We talked about that. the The women's relay, the, ta- the the they had a great day in the women's relay too. A lot of those skiers skied well. It's great to see Daria have a bounce back too in her second leg there. Um, Catherine Stewart-Jones, of course. I mean, like this has been the race that suits her the best. Uh, I know it's the race that she's been targeting all season. 
I've been really excited to see her because, like I've said, I've, I've just sung the praises of her classic technique, uh, Metamorphosis. It's uh, She's poised to have a great day, and we're all cheering for her super loud from uh, from our sofas. So uh, really hoping for a great day from Catherine Stewart-Jones. But no matter what, it's been a great season for Catherine and such a great place to build on. Okay. Thanks, Devin. Have a good evening. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Take care, buddy. And we'll uh, check in tomorrow. We'll check in tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. <laughs> yeah, for sure. See you, dude. Thanks for listening to the episode in our World Championship coverage. Thank you.